0: to come today. He's going to minister the word of the Lord to you. Aren't you excited about that? Amen. And so I want him to take his liberty today and preach what the Lord has placed on his heart, and so we open up our heart to receive the word. Amen. Amen. To give honor this morning to our administrator, Pastor's wife. Not him, just his wife. I, I appreciate Sister Mallory. Hallelujah. It's good to be in the house the Lord this morning. I'm thankful for what I feel this morning. I don't believe the Lord is done yet. I believe that He has something special for us. This Hallelujah. Why don't we go to the Word of the Lord this morning? Matthew chapter 4. It'll be on the board, I believe. Talking about Jesus, and it says, while well, walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishing. And he said to them, "Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." Immediately, the Bible says, they left. verse 21, it says, and going on from there, he, that's being Jesus again, saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. In the boat was Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Here in Matthew chapter 4, we find a passage where Jesus is calling his first disciples. It tells us about how Jesus is walking down the beach, and he comes to a couple of fishermen who are casting nets. And so Jesus, as he sees these fishermen, Peter and Andrew, he begins to talk to them. Now we don't know how long this conversation went on. We don't know if Jesus spoke to them for a minute, or two minutes, or ten minutes, or for hours. We don't know exactly how long the conversation went, but we do know that when Jesus said, "Father," Jesus walks further down the beach, and he comes upon two more brothers, James and John. They're mending their nets with their father. And when Jesus says, follow me, they too immediately leave the boat. They leave their nets. They even leave their father to follow Jesus. Four people we find in just five verses of Scripture gave up everything that was needed to follow Jesus. These are just ordinary people. They were fishermen who were working the sea of Galilee. They were ordinary people just like you and I, a cashier, a salesman, a teacher, an office professional, a construction worker, a businessman. They had taxes to pay. They had bills to pay. They had things they had to do. But when Jesus called them, they immediately left their nets. They immediately left their boats. James and John even left. That was necessary to follow Jesus. You see, this morning we are ordinary people, and Jesus has called us to follow Him. We're ordinary people living our lives. We're going day to day, doing whatever it is that we do to make a living, doing whatever it is that we need to get done. And Jesus calls us and says, "Follow." Him. Jesus calls us and says, "Follow." And we have the choice this morning if we want to be like Peter, Andrew, James, and John and follow him. Mike Slaughter, the author of a book called Real Followers," says that Jesus calls each of us and everyone will fall into one of three categories. The curious, the convinced, and the committed. Each of us has an opportunity this morning to decide which category we want to be part of. Each of us gets to pick which selection we want to make. We get to select which part we want to be. This morning, you get a choice to decide if you want to be curious, convinced, or committed. It's totally your free choice this morning. So in order to help you make your choice, let's take a look at each of those individual curious, or those three categories over the course of the next 14 hours. Kidding. Kidding. The first category is the curious power. In Acts chapter 26, we find the story of Paul. And Paul is with King Agrippa. And King Agrippa gives Paul permission to speak. And so Paul begins to explain to King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26, about his experience on the road to Damascus. He begins to tell King Agrippa about the bright light that shone down from heaven and how Jesus spoke to him and how Paul went from being a person that locked up Christians to a Christian himself. He tells tells King Agrippa about each of the things he's experienced and the troubles that he's gone through and the situations that he's encountered as he continued to serve Jesus. But King Agrippa was just wanted to hear what Paul had to say. So Paul talked about Jesus. Paul talked about his conversion. He talked about all the great things that Jesus had done for him. And then at the end of all that in Acts chapter 26, verse 28, it says, then Agrippa said to Paul, almost, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. You see, King Agrippa, was just was just interested in hearing. King Agrippa was just interested in learning what was going on. He wasn't interested in anything more. He wasn't interested in making a life change. He wasn't interested in changing the way his circumstances were. He just wanted to know what happened. He just wanted to know what was going on. He was just A similar story is found in the Gospels. And from these Gospels, we learn about this man who is a rich young ruler. And this rich, rich young ruler approached Jesus and asked, What must I do to enter eternal life? Jesus told this man, He said, Well, you need to obey the commandments. You need to honor your mother and father. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Keep, keep all the commandments. And this rich young ruler, Because unlike probably everybody else in the world, this rich young ruler had obeyed every commandment since he was a youth. It was actually pretty amazing when you think about it. Since he was a youth, he had never told a lie. Think about that. It's amazing. And this rich young ruler was so happy because he had kept all the commandments. And that's what Jesus told him he had to do. But Jesus then told him that he had to sell everything he had and give to the poor this rich young ruler went away Now, I don't believe there's anything wrong with having stuff. If you have lots of stuff, that's all right. If you want to give me lots of stuff, that's all right, too. There's nothing wrong with having stuff, but the problem is that this rich young ruler allowed this stuff to become more important to him than his relationship with Jesus. He allowed this stuff to get in the way of his relationship with Jesus. His possessions that he had on this earth were more important than following Jesus. He was just Jesus. He wasn't willing to give up the things that he wanted. He was just searching to find out what it was about, but he wasn't going to give anything up. He wouldn't give up his desires. He wouldn't let go of his treasures. He wasn't willing to change anything. He was just a Show up on occasions. They'll come to church to find out who's who and what's what. The curious follower is the kind of person who will be here, but if something needs to be done, let's let somebody else do it. A curious follower isn't willing to sacrifice to be committed. They're just curious. The curious follower is like following a fire truck. I want to see where it is. I want to see what's going on. I want to see what's happening, but only. To help put that fire out. Don't ask me to go in that burning building. I'm just a bystander. I'm just. Curious. I hope nobody under the sound of my voice today wants to be a serious follower. Coming to church isn't about crossing something off your to do list, it isn't about catching up with the latest gossip, it isn't about entertaining please don't be a curious follower. The kingdom of God's not a spectator sport, a sport. It's not where we're supposed to just sit on the sidelines. I hope you're not the kind of person who wants to just be curious. Don't be satisfied being curious. It's not God's plan for your life to be a curious follower. It's not his plan for your life to just sit on the sidelines and do nothing. It's not his plan for your life to just Sit and watch other people. It's not his plan for your life to just be entertained. He's got something more for you. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. He wants to take you deeper and use you for his glory. But you've got to be willing to go beyond just being curious. You've got to be willing to step out a little bit and say, hey, I'm going to give up what it takes. I'm going to let go of what I have to do. I'm not satisfied just being curious. I want to go deeper. helps a it is the convinced follower. They know who's who and what's what. The convinced person knows that it's important to attend church. They know it's important to read their Bible. They know it's important to have a prayer life. They know what it means to follow Christ. And they're convinced. Okay. When I was younger, I was convinced that brown cows produced chocolate Now, I'm not going to tell you who told you that, but on a totally unrelated note, I talked to my dad on the phone yesterday. I was convinced that brown cows produce chocolate milk. You see, now I'm older and I'm wiser, and I know that's not true. I know brown cows produce orange juice. We all know that brown cows do not produce chocolate milk. They produce white milk, and then the milk is flavored by chocolate to make that we can all think of a time where we were convinced of something that was wrong but later than convinced of something that was right you see the danger with just being convinced is that means the opposite is true there's the possibility that you can be convinced of something that is right and then later be In the Bible the story of Judas. Judas quite literally walked with Jesus. He literally walked each and every day with Jesus. He was one of the disciples that hung out with Jesus every day. He was there walking with him. Judas was at the table during the Last Supper. And yet Judas was convinced by He was convinced by 30 pieces. 30 pieces of silver convinced Judas that he didn't want to walk with Jesus. Anymore. Just 30 pieces of silver, just a little bit of money or a lot of money, I don't know how much it was, it convinced Judas to betray Jesus. You see, the danger of being a person that is only convinced about living for God, a person that's only convinced about putting Him first in everything is if you are convinced of one thing, you can later be convinced of something else. You can be convinced now to live for God, but when something else comes along, you can be convinced to go that direction. Next Saturday, when you stay up too late, you can be convinced on Sunday morning that sleeping in is more important than coming to church. You can become convinced to stop seeking God. You can become convinced to stop spending time in His Word you can become convinced to stop being a shining light for this If you're convinced of one thing, you can be convinced of something else. You see, I believe being a convinced follower is not enough. If you're only a convinced follower, later you can be convinced to do something enough. else. A convinced follower may be better than a curious follower, but I being convinced is a dangerous place to be because you can be convinced with going a different direction. Someone can convince you to do something you shouldn't do. Someone can convince you to say something you shouldn't say. You can be convinced to make a mistake and walk away from the kingdom of God. Don't be convinced. I don't want my relationship with Jesus Christ to just. I want it to be something deeper. I want it to be something stronger. I want it to be something that will stand the test of time and the trials of tribulations of life that I'm going to face. I want my relationship with Jesus to be more than just a convinced relationship. I want it to be deeper than just a convinced relationship. I don't want anything to be able to tear me away from him, to tear me away from his greatness, to tear me away from his mercy, to tear me away from his grace tear me away from him. I don't want to be just a convinced father. I want to be convinced. I heard the question asked, what would you do if today was the last day on earth and you knew? If you knew. Your first thought is open a huge life insurance policy to make sure your family's covered. That would probably be a wise thing to do. Make one payment and they're good. Then maybe you jump on a plane and travel where you wanted to go. Perhaps you have a bucket list of things you'd like to accomplish in your life and you want to try to cross off as many as you can. Go to another country, parachute out of a plane, go surfing, told me what his bucket list was, and this is what I put together based on what he didn't really tell me. He said his bucket list was to feed a crocodile while jumping off a cliff in a Santa costume, because we all know he loves Christmas, while yodeling and playing the Star Spangled Banner on the bed that is skill. That is, that is not at bucket list would be. But each of us probably has different things we would do if we knew it was our last day. All right. We each have a plan, something we would want to do because we knew it was our last day. And John says there's an interesting scripture? in John chapter 13. It says, Before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knew his hour had come to depart out of this world. Before the Passover, before they went to the upper room to have that Last Supper, before that, Jesus already knew he was going to the Lord. He knew that this was his last day on The very next verse says, during Supper, Jesus rose from the Supper laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. He poured water in a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped early. Jesus knew it was his last day Jesus knew this was his last night on earth, and what does he do? He serves What does he do when he knows it's his very last day on continues to do what he was on this earth to do. He still continues to fulfill his purpose. He still continues to serve and to help The Bible gives us examples of how Jesus desires for us to live, and it's full of examples of people who are committed to serving God, people who are sold out. We can use these examples to learn how he would like us. 2 Corinthians, Paul writes about some of the hardships that he endured while he was living for Jesus. It says that five times he received 39 lashes. that three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned, three times he was shipwrecked. A night and a day he was adrift. It talks about the troubles and the dangers that he had been in from robbers and from the Gentiles, and in the city, and in the wilderness, and the sea, and among false brethren. It talks about the toil and hardships, the many sleepless nights, the hunger and thirst, and all the other things that Paul had to endure. Paul is an example of someone who but yet Paul remained Yet he remained convicted. Paul was not just convinced. He wasn't going to let situations fear him or detour him. Paul wasn't just curious. He wasn't going to walk away when troubles came or difficulties began to rise. Paul wasn't convinced or curious he was a committed follower. He was one who said, I'm going to do whatever I have to do. I'm going to endure whatever I have to endure because I want to follow Christ. You see, committed followers are the true followers. They're the ones that make a difference. They're the ones that keep going from week to week. They're the ones that come to church. They're the ones that are studying and praying for their church and their community. They're the ones that serve when there's without being forced into it. A true follower is one that's committed their life to Christ that says no matter when he calls, I'm going to listen. No matter when he calls, I'm going to sacrifice. No matter when he calls, I'm going to do whatever needs to be done. I'm going to follow and I'm going to serve him with my Those who are willing to follow his calling become the true followers. They're the ones that are willing to give up their old ways. They're the ones that are like the disciples that will give up whatever needs to be done to drop their nets and follow Christ when he calls. They're the ones that become dependent upon Christ. They're the ones that learn to lean on him, and they know he'll provide their every need. It takes. Christ is looking for us to be committed. Christ is looking for us to give. The Scripture teaches us about Saul, who later becomes Paul. And it tells us in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, it says, But Paul, still breathing out threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. And he asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any that belonged to the way, man or woman, he This is before these two verses happened. Before Paul has the Damascus Road experience, and so still known as Saul at that point. That's confusing, but it might—hopefully not. Saul and Paul—one of the same. Saul asked for letters to go and arrest the people in Damascus. He wanted to go and arrest the people that were serving Christ in Damascus. So, skipping down to verse ten. And there was a disciple by the name of Damascus called Ananias. And the Lord said unto him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said, Go, rise, and go to a street called straight at the house of Judas. Look for a man of Parsons named Saul, for behold, he is. Free. And he saw a vision of a man named Ananias. to just go talk to? You want me to go to the person that can arrest me and tell him, hey, I'm here, come arrest me. You want me to go to Saul, who has letters that can literally take me and throw me in prison and say, hey, I'm one of those people you're looking for. Are you sure, Lord? Is that really you? Or did I eat you feet pizza before I went to bed? What's going on is that The next verse says, so Ananias departed and entered the house. We oftentimes focus on the story about Saul and how Saul became Paul, but think about Ananias. Think about how committed Ananias must have been Couches, no delaying, no waiting, no trying to get out of it, no looking for an excuse. Ananias just went. Ananias just followed the voice of God. Ananias was committed to God. You see, true commitment affects your lifestyle. True commu- commitment will affect what you say and what you don't say. True commitment will affect what you do and don't do. True commitment will affect the way you spend your leisure time. True commitment doesn't affect just Sundays and Wednesdays, but true commitment is going to affect your whole I can't tell you this morning what Jesus will ask you to give up. It might be a little, it might be a lot, but I can tell you that if you are truly committed to him, the rewards that he provides will be much better than any sacrifice you're ever asked. Commitment. Jesus calls us this morning to real commitment. Being curious is not enough. Being convinced is not enough. He wants us to be committed to Him. He doesn't want just a few hours a week from us, He wants all of us. God wants us to be pulled out. He doesn't want just a curious Christian or a convinced Christian. He's looking for a He's looking for some Peter, some John, some Andrews, some James that'll leave whatever it takes to serve him. He's looking for some Pauls that are willing to endure whatever hardships might be necessary in order to follow him. He's looking for some Ananias that are going to go when he He's looking for us to be committed, so grounded in Him that nothing can tear us away from Him and what His plans are. That's what I want this morning. I don't want to just be curious. I don't want to just be convinced. I want to be committed. I want to go when He calls me. I want to go give myself completely and totally. I want to be committed to him. I want to be willing to sacrifice whatever is necessary to follow him completely. I want to be committed. I want him to know that I'm giving my all to him. If I use this to I ask you this morning, are you committed? Jesus has called each of us to be part of calls us to be true followers more than just convinced or curious. He calls us to be committed followers. Are you committed to his calling? Is there really nothing more important to you than him? Are you really so grounded in him that nothing can turn you aside from him? I believe God has great plans Committed to his word, committed to his kingdom, committed to serving him alone, committed is 100%. This is stand this In Daniel chapter 6, the Bible tells us that all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors, the princes, the counselors, the captains, consulted together to establish a royal statue and to make a firm decree that whoever would ask a petition of God, for thirty days, other than the king, would be cast into the dead of the They said, now King establish the decree and signed the writing that it be not changed. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. It was now a law that for thirty days nobody could ask anything of God or another man except verse 10 of chapter six. It says "And when Daniel knew, when Daniel knew the writing was written, when Daniel knew that he couldn't petition anyone other than the king for the next 30 days, when Daniel knew that if he asked his neighbor for a cup of flour, he would go to the lion's den because he was disobeying the law, when he knew it was signed. Then, went into his His windows being opened, his chamber tortured. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed, and gave thanks. Couldn't do what he was going to do, but he said, "No, I don't care what, what the world might do. I don't care what might be coming against me. I'm committed. I'm committed to continuing on to pressing forward to continuing to serve." Daniel was more than just. Daniel was more. some that were just not interested, some that thought they didn't have the time, some that weren't willing, some that were comfortable, right, there. Right. You see, anybody can <laughs> It doesn't take a lot to be comfortable, but I asked you this morning, are you, is he really This morning, if there's anyone here today that doesn't just want to be, curious. if there's anyone here today that isn't satisfied with just being a convinced follower, but anyone who wants to become anyone who wants to come before the Lord and surrender their all this morning, to let him know that you want to be more than just curious or convinced, to remind him that you're committed to him, committed to his plan, committed to his purpose. These altars are open, or if you want to pray at your feet, you're welcome to. How about it this morning? How about it? Why don't you commit yourself a first to him this morning? Why don't you commit yourself to his plan and your purpose this morning? Why don't you commit to serving him?